right, we are back. You guys ready to roll through this one? Whoop! Yep. Woo! All right, so Bravery Board listeners, it's been a hot minute, but we have started a conversation about the Enneagram. And in our last podcast, if you're just starting with this one, you may want to go back and listen to the one previous because we talked about, first of all, what the Enneagram was. And um, I'm here with Kate, by the way, and Jen. Hello. Hello. And um, Kate gave us a really good history of the Enneagram and information about what it is and what it is not. And then we talked about our numbers and, and different things. And so you might want to listen to that first before you come into this one because this is kind of part two of four, we're covering it with four different parts. Are you guys excited? Oh yeah. 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 All right. So today what we're gonna talk about is a little bit about our own experience with the Enneagram and how it has helped us and how it's kind of helped us to grow and what we've learned through it. Um, which is kind of a big <laughs> a big thing to, uh, a chunk to bite off and chew. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, let's start with, how did we even learn about the Enneagram? Yeah, well, I'll start. It's uh, Jen here speaking, because I know Michelle's and my voices can get a little (laughs) confusing. I don't know why. Um, But uh, yeah, so uh, I can speak collectively for us that we dove into The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron, um, which is one of those sort of popular books right now. So you've probably been living under a rock if you haven't, you know, heard of somebody reading it. Well, maybe not, but you know what I mean. It's popular. Um, so we started reading that in our girls group um, that we uh, meet every other week and going through the chapter, one chapter at a time, and it goes through each of the different types. So everybody sort of uh, stayed with it, you know, throughout the weeks and we kind of deep dove that way um, and talked about the Enneagram. I first personally heard about the Enneagram um, while I was at work with a friend of mine that was proselytizing uh, the Enneagram, and um, she was talking about it as it was the best thing since sliced bread, and I was like, what is this, whatever, I don't have time. Mm-hmm. Um, but cool, interesting, there's a number, and you're, it's a thing, and she like talked about eights and called them eight holes and laughed and ha ha ha. And you know, it was sort of like Mimi kind of like, like an inside joke. Yeah. Right. I was yeah. like, this is annoying. And then <laughs> I went to a work party, um, and there were three or four, uh, folks talking about it during the, at the work party. And they started talking about it besides those little like jokes, you know, like ha 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 and talking about it as if, you know, we're just typing to friends or whatever. Um, and show pe- and people in shows and characters and they started talking about it with a little bit more depth and understanding of themselves and how it's really been helpful for them and I was like whoa maybe this is something that I need to look into because they were talking about some things that I, I could see about them um, <laughs> with some insight and it was an interesting to me at first the Enneagram was more of a well isn't this an interesting conversation tool um, because it gives people license to sort of talk about their their crap, like, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And it also gives license to, like, get into sort of a deeper, like, part of yourself. And, you know, sure, it can, it can only be, like, coffee shop kind of, like, conversation if you're, if you're not careful. And you don't want to, you know, dumb it down by doing that in some ways. Um, and I can see where people are turned off by that. But then whenever people start really, it re- really resonates with people and they start talking about themselves with a little bit more, um, 
you know, things that make your ears perk up because you're like, whoa, you know that about yourself? Because I know that about you. (laughs) Not even that, but um, so much as like, oh, you're talking about your relationships and things that really matter in your life in sort of a new and fresh way. And for me, like I said, I'm really drawn to it because I really love those, like, let's cut past the surface type of conversations. And if that can happen at a party, like, I'm going to enjoy the party, like, probably 10 times more. So I know for some critics of the Enneagram, they're like, oh, it's party conversation and coffee shop talk and blah. But I actually find that to be appealing in some ways um, because it does kind of cut those through those layers. It gives people a language to share some of their barriers that they, yeah. they have, but otherwise probably wouldn't feel comfortable sharing because right. you're not going to like walk to a party and be like, well, you know, I'm just, I tend to really want to be an individual and it really hurts me <laughs> whenever people don't pay attention to me and that makes me really sad and people would be like, okay, okay. I do not yeah. care. Right. Yeah. Why are you telling me this? But if you say, have you taken the Enneagram? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, this is how it affects me. It somehow gives you a language with which to share parts of yourself that might be hidden. Right. And I, I do think that's something that's pretty attractive about it. Yeah, language and license. I like mm-hmm. the term you use, like license, and also like a shared understanding mm-hmm. walking into it. Because if somebody else has also read a book and knows, like you don't have to be like, well, here, like you said, like, well, here I'm a, I'm a four, so I here are the, you know, my vulnerabilities. Like they already know, and mm-hmm. so you kind of cut through initial conversations mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, and I also started getting intrigued with it whenever I realized that it was um, an assessment tool that sort of uh, gave licensure for nuance and variables because at first the Enneagram looks like nine different types, mm-hmm. blah. And we talked about this yeah. on that, the last episode, but really as you sort of get into it more and more and you do the work, quote unquote, I'm making mm-hmm. air quotes here because that's like <laughs> a catchphrase that I kind of hate about the Enneagram. Do the work! I'm like, what does that even mean? I heard that and I was like, uh, I don't know what you mean, but I am intrigued. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't even know what I was saying other than, you know, it gave kind of licensure for those motivations to kind of come out and then um, it really is a tool that sort of allows for some nuance and some differences that you can't just peg somebody and it's like you're pegged there mm-hmm. and you're gonna stay there mm-hmm. um, and which so anyway we read the book and we started getting into it and then I like tried to get my PhD in it really fast no, just not literally but um, I'm sure they offer one somewhere <laughs> I'm sure they oh I know they, they do they will they will take your money yeah <laughs> they will take your money if you allow them yeah uh no so that's kind of where we found out about it. anybody else notes or stories on that yeah I think um book club was when I knew I, I can't remember when I first heard about it but I dismissed it probably the first five or ten times because like Michelle <laughs> I had studied personality assessment for school and realized like what uh, nonsense so much of it was and and you know how how like one thing would be like advertised as like the next thing with all the answers and then and within a couple of years Poop would be like yeah it's really inaccurate and it's not valid at all <laughs> and you know so like the MBTI like that happened with that so I was kind of just like waiting to see like wh- waiting for it to die down and life could get back to normal without being <laughs> asked about the Enneagram but it was when um a friend of mine was reading the same book I wasn't able to go to book club the entire time you guys were reading that book and I was like I am really missing out because a lot of interesting conversation is going on so I borrowed the book from a friend and just read along and um we'll probably talk a little bit about it later but the the impact that it had on me um was immediate and so I was after that I, I was a little bit more more of a um 
you know, one of those who, have you taken the Enneagram yet? What's your number? Like, <laughs> like that's, you know, part of the first conversation with somebody. So what's your number? <laughs> what's your sign? I know, right? I wonder yeah. if it happens, like, if there's, there's probably memes out there about this, but like in the dating world, because I'm not dating, so I don't know, but I wonder if it's like a, I'll only date a seven or a only... idea. Definitely <laughs> that would be idea, right? dumb. <laughs> that would be, um, don't endorse that, but I'm sure it's out there. Anyway. Or like if you're dating, like building a profile or something. I'm an Enneagram Seven. Yeah, on Tinder or whatever. I'm looking for. Oh, I still I still see people who use the MBTI on like their LinkedIn profile. I'm like, do you need me to go in and delete that for you? (laughs) (laughs) How embarrassing! But yeah, so it's like definitely people use it those sort of things in that sense. So well, we we had the Enneagram book by Richard Rohr before I even knew what it was. Jeff had heard about about it and had gotten that book. Of and course had, he did. And read a little bit of it. He's not a big, as much as he reads, like he reads a lot of newspaper articles, he reads a lot on the internet, and he, he's very well informed, but he doesn't actually ever finish books because he falls asleep. So I don't think he actually ever finished it. But we had had a lot of conversations before we really knew what number I was. And I remember us talking about how he thought I was a two. And... um. Um, just before we really even knew very much about the Enneagram. And that was a, quite a while back, like quite a while ago. Turns out you were just the mom. Right, just turns out <laughs> I'm the mom. Um, who sometimes gets a little bit frustrated about that. Um, but anyway, uh, so then we read The Road Back to You with Girls Group and understood it a lot more. But yeah, we've kind of had that book floating around our house for a long time. So when I was reading The Road Back to You, I read simultaneously. I read Richard Rohr. Not all of it, but a lot of it. Because his is a lot thicker and meatier, but really good. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Um, well, that's, yeah, that's interesting how it can come about and how we kind of learned about it. Um, but what I think we're really here to talk about is how it's really helped us personally mm-hmm. and sort of the things that we've learned about it. And Kate, I want to start with you because you said something interesting just a minute ago. Sorry to put you on the spot, yeah, but... You said just a minute ago that when you read it, the impact was immediate. What do you mean by that? It was just so validating, I think, because um, I've been involved in ministry since I was in college. And for just about as long, um, depending on the ministry I was involved in and, and who I was working with, there was a list of things that I needed to change about myself if I wanted to be successful in ministry. Mm-hmm. And that's funny. I think I remember us talking about that mm-hmm. the first time that you and yep. I got coffee before we started bravery board stuff. Yeah. And it was something I really struggled with because I wanted to do ministry, but there's this list of shoulds and I'm also a really stubborn person. <laughs> I was like, I shouldn't have to become somebody that I'm not, or should I in order to like, so it was like, well, maybe ministry just isn't for me. Maybe I'm just not like the right person for it. I don't have the personality for it. And um, I think everybody has the personality for it. They just do it differently. And it took just feeling, um, I think it just validated what I was already sensing and thinking was that it's okay to be exactly who I am. Hmm. And, um, you know, the areas that, for a long time, the areas that I thought I needed to grow in were the areas that other people were telling me that I needed to grow and improve in. And, like, the critiques that I received about, like, being too quiet or not, you know, observing too much instead of just jumping in, like, all the things that (laughs) make me who I am and and actually are valuable um, were the things that supposedly I needed to change about myself. 
because there was only one personality that that they were looking for and um i think it just um it's not that it it's not that i don't need to change and it's not that i don't need to grow but i think the areas that i need to change and grow and were different from the areas that other people were suggesting mm -hmm. to me and so it for for that it was I'd already been leaning in that direction, but then for something about reading everything under the five <laughs> in that book, it was like, oh, okay, like, there are other people like this, and, and it's okay, and actually, like, I'm really good at ministry, and I'm still in it, and I just do it my way, in my particular way, and just make sure that I have a lot of room for, a lot of space for myself. And, and so that, I would say that that was one of the big things that, that impacted me most for work and for volunteerism was that like there is room for me. So in what ways, I mean, if you can maybe share just like one or two things that you felt like you needed to change or something that you find that you do differently in ministry that you, that maybe you didn't think was valuable before, but now you do. Um, like a way of being or something. Yeah, I think it is. Um being insightful hmm. and um i don't lack empathy but i don't always come across as empathetic and so i would pretend to be a really empathetic person and be like oh i'm so sorry da, da, da. and and what that ended up being was like i never pushed people to be better versions of themselves hmm. i just like allowed people to just, like come to me with their problems i would say oh i'm so sorry to hear that like how can i help and like actually i'm not particularly interested in helping in the way that you want me to but i can tell you how i can help and mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um and so i think that was like just being able to do ministry as somebody who um isn't like overly i don't even know the word for it but I guess, com like, I am compassionate, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's not making also, me sound very good or, no, like, no, I'm no. very good at ministry. But I understand. But... I think I understand what you're saying. Like, you're not going to be that bubbly, like, oh, tell me more. I'm so sorry. I mean, yes. not that you're going to raise your voice that high, but, <laughs> but I mean, Please like, don't. I'm sure I've tried you're at some point. You're not going to be an enthusiastic compassion, like, like, just yeah. like, oh, I'm so mm -hmm. sorry and emote a lot. Like, yeah. that's not ever going to be you. And... And I'm not going to be, I think one of the big things was it was really hard for me to um, back up people that I disagreed with. Like, oh, I yeah. needed to be able to disagree, even if it was like a pastor that I was serving under. And I didn't always feel the room to do that because that was seen as like something that you shouldn't do. And now I, it's my job to do that. Like, it's our job to like do that for each other and to like refine each other and sharpen each other. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of, of that in ministry. And then... Um, at work as well just it kind of pushed me to switch jobs because the job that I was in was very um, pastoral counseling and and um, I got a degree in counseling psychology and after just like a very short in you know time of internship I realized this really isn't for me I was miserable I was just horrified by the whole experience of like the idea of like sitting across from somebody I'm not saying I wasn't good at it but I really didn't enjoy it and I wasn't thriving and it was like taking all of my energy and I was like well what's wrong with me that I can't do this mm -hmm. and now I'm okay with being like it just that's not like that one-on-one -on -one, like emotional energy <laughs> you know but like that's just not what I do mm -hmm. but I can do a lot of other things mm -hmm. and so that I think most of all it just um it just made it okay for me to be who I am and to not feel the need to become 
what it is that other people think a pastor should be or um, even what a woman should be mm-hmm. because I don't meet a lot of that criteria either sometimes. <laughs> um. that's, that's really interesting. So yeah. you kind of were talking a lot more about like job and mm-hmm. how that's impacted you and your job. How has it impacted you with like your family? I mean, you're a mom mm-hmm. and you have a, you know, a child that you are with quite a bit yeah, and then also, you know, you're married and mm-hmm. how has that impacted you as far as like learning about what your number is and well, I think it has, instead of instead of waiting for solitude and alone time, instead of waiting for my husband to offer it to me and to recognize that I needed it, I now ask for it, and I just build it in. I say, here, I need to go and be alone for a while, and I just don't feel guilty about it, and I... Uh, I try not to feel guilty about it. <laughs> um, there still is that level of guilt of, like, okay, I'm asking for two hours by myself and should I really need that or is there something wrong with me? Like I'm still sometimes get stuck in that mindset, well, other people don't need that. Like do I really need that or am I just, you know, being weak? And so I really have to push for that, for mm-hmm. my, to ask for it. Um, he's always glad to help. It's not him, it's all me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's there's that big part of it too. I think that's been the most helpful thing is just, making my need, being able to express my needs in a way that, like, it seems like a valid, um, a valid expectation Mm -hmm. that I should also have my needs met Mm -hmm. and not the needs that other people think that I may have. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Anything else on how it's, like, impacted you or had you grow or anything like that? No, um... Other than um, I think I, I own my number in a sense. I think that's the best way to put it in that like when you read all of it and, and you read all the numbers and they all have something not great about them. Like all of the fears are the, um, the uh, motivations are like a vulnerability mm-hmm. and it's hard to admit for anybody. So you read all of me like, okay, which one do I least hate? I'll pick that one. <laughs> like that's who I am. <laughs> But, like, to be able to look at it and read it and be like, that's not particularly attractive, but I'm going to own it because I get to own all the good stuff, too. And I think that's an important thing to, to be able to just own everything about yourself. Yeah. That's yeah. really good. That's so good. Yeah. What about you? Like, how has it really impacted you? Um, this I, is Michelle. This is Michelle yeah. speaking. Um, um, Michelle. <laughs> I was about to say that I think that it's impacted me in my marriage the most. But I think that would almost be too shallow of a statement because it has helped me a lot in my marriage quite a bit to understand uh, Jeff um, and my kids, but, you know, as a family unit, I suppose. But then also I just feel like I just understand myself in such a deeper way. Um, And we kind of talked about this in the last podcast, but it just gave me language to be able to explain my experience um, and the, the things that hurt me or the things that feel so real um, and so important to me and the vulnerabilities that I have in a way that I wasn't, I, I, can't, I can't really mask it as easily anymore, but that's a good thing because then I get to actually say, I'm feeling this way. I know I felt this way before. I know that this is something that I can, um, I struggle with. And so therefore I know that these things work to fix it and I will employ those things. Um, and that has really, I just, I feel like 
especially in the last maybe three or four years that I've just matured a lot. And maybe it's just because I'm 37 and you mature, you know, as you turn, you, you have children and you get older and not everybody who's 37 has kids. But for me, that's my experience is that I've, you know, had to put my needs aside a lot in order to be a parent. Um, but also just knowing who I am and what I want and, and what's important to me. And I feel like it's a lifelong journey, but I do feel like the Enneagram's really given me language to be able to express in my own in my own way about how I interact with people and how I interact with the world. Um, so my husband is a seven, and um, that has been... It, it's interesting being married to a seven as a four because he... Sevens are very... Um, Oh, I like to call him like a puppy dog. <laughs> he's not really a puppy dog, but he's a he's a very um, classic looking seven because he is a he's a social seven, and so he looks a lot like what the typical whatever seven would look like. But he um, is very interested in the thing that's in front of him, and he gets very absorbed in it, and then very quickly moves on to the next thing, and is very absorbed in that, and he's kind of always bouncing from one thing to the next that's really important to him and that he loves, and. Um, it's a really great quality about him, but it's always been that versus me sort of being um, kind of not stuck, but sort of um, grounded in whatever emotion I'm feeling at the time. Those two things really butt heads a lot because he may really want to go out and be social and have a party and go somewhere and do this thing. And I am not feeling it because I'm I'm struggling or I'm feeling more down and I don't feel like I can betray that and just put on a show for other people and go join a party but he is almost hurt that I can't so we've kind of gotten to that argument a lot and um and I guess what's really helped is is that I can understand that he's he doesn't that he doesn't mean anything by it that he doesn't he's not trying to uh make me make me any different than I am which is kind of the thing that it triggers for me is it makes me feel that way but that he's not trying to make me any different than I really am but that he's just excited about life and that's who he is and it's really helped me to understand that and to like temper my reactions in a lot of ways and also with my kids um and I've just learned a lot about how to take care of myself in ways where I can feel my feelings (laughs) but I don't have to put other people out because I feel my feelings and I can feel them in a way that feels a lot more authentic instead of um kind of walking around and making it about me I guess is the way that I would say and so I think that that's really, I've really matured a lot in those ways where maybe three or four years ago, if I had a bad day, you'd know it and, and you would, you know, feel it and it would be very obvious. And now I think it's a little bit uh, less so and I can kind of put it aside and um, take care of the things I need to take care of instead of kind of blow up. And I think that that's really, <laughs> it's kind of ugly when I actually say it because I feel very, I feel very vulnerable, but it's also very real. Like that's something I've always struggled with Hmm. and so to know that I can see that now and put language to it and know how to take care of it in certain ways has really been a huge thing and it's been really helpful for me so yeah I think one thing that understanding ourselves and understanding our spouse or whoever is like really important to us is like we may have a tendency when we don't understand why people are doing the things that they're doing to almost bully Mm-hmm. the people that we care about um, because I remember having a lot of conversations with my husband where you know I would say I'm so tired from like this one 
social interaction. I need to take the rest of the week <laughs> off. And he'd be like, what? Like, he truly didn't get it because he's way more social than I am. And, and so I would almost be bullied into doing things I didn't want to do. And I would show up and I would, like, not be the person that yeah. I am. I would not be fun to be around. And then that would make it even worse. And so I think, like, mm-hmm. one thing that this experience has helped us with in our marriage is like he now understands one activity a week is really my max and he needs to be he, he's gonna have to be okay with that but also I'm gonna do my best right like not isolate myself you know I'm gonna listen to him when he says hey you're isolating and mm-hmm. be like oh okay let's do two things you know just like so kind of like that give and take where one isn't one person isn't like coercing the other one or making them feel guilty for being who they are right but like every they're both just allowed to be even mm-hmm. if you end up married to somebody who's like radically different than you in some area totally and that's mm-hmm. I feel like that's been the biggest part of just understanding that it, mm-hmm. that you're just hitting it straight on the nail straight on the head is yeah. that you're just allowed to be you mm-hmm. and that feels there's something about feeling especially as a four maybe maybe not maybe this is everybody's experience but for me I want to feel appreciated for who I am exactly as I am without having to change anything and that's a really important thing for me but sometimes when I feel like I'm not in kind of like what you were saying, like that I'm not being my true self or that I'm, I'm kind of betraying that because I'm Mm -hmm. trying to fit somebody else's mold or Mm -hmm. I'm trying to fit into another space. Right. Yeah. Or that I'm not. And and then you, then I end up not taking care of myself and I end Mm -hmm. up not doing the right things to make, to make myself feel really And then you're full of resentment for that person and suddenly it's their fault. (laughs) Totally. So there's just something about really understanding yourself and knowing what your limitations are. And then also in the ways that you need to grow and mm-hmm. the things that you need to change mm-hmm. and the things that you need to work on. Yeah. Because you can have blinders sometimes when it comes to, well, this is who I am. And yeah. uh, and you don't want to do that with your number either. I'm a four, so I'm really <laughs> going to be this way. Well, it's not. that's not fair. You know, mm-hmm. That's not the way it's meant to work. No, yeah. no. But it, it's, it's meant to be a, a tool for understanding and growth. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been definitely my experience. Mm-hmm. Jen? Uh, so the question is, like, what have we learned um, yeah, and how has it impacted your yeah, relationships or yeah, your work? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, a couple, a couple areas, the one that really stands out that I want to take a second and expand on is, and we've talked about this a little bit already, you guys did, but really for me, the impact has been major as I have assessed my relationships and have, as I have looked at people, even my weak ties, like the people that I don't know that well, not that I'm trying to type them, but if somebody sort of presents like kind of classically as a five, or as an eight, or, you know, as a nine, or whatever it is, I am able to sort of pick up on, oh, that's a thing, like, okay, I I know how to serve them in a way, and I know how to, like, kind of understand a little bit more, have at least, like, a cursor um, that's pointing in the right direction, I guess, for lack of, so, so story, uh, (laughs) And this is sort of what the Enneagram means to me, I think, in a nutshell. And I'm a four, so I'm going to give you a whole, like, story, um, like a feeling story. So uh, a couple of months ago, I was on a work trip that ended up being very great for me professionally. And I was able to have a lot of platform time speaking in front of people. Like, it was a very good, it was one of those, like, sort of moments where you're like, oh, I am doing exactly what I need to be doing. I'm operating in my strengths and things are going my way. This is awesome. Uh, and But it was also like sort of on the professional level, like a very deeply emotional, um, you know, uh, just a good place to be where I was like, I was experiencing a lot of aha moments. So I'm on the plane 
on my way back home, and I've got my little uh, bravery board journal, actually, the one that's sitting in front of me right now is I have some notes out. But um, I was on the plane, and I was on the window seat. And as a four, mm. or anybody, I guess, I mean, I take care to try to get the window seat, particularly at night, um, because I love looking down at all of the lights mm-hmm. and seeing all of the cities just pop up all around you. And I put in my ear, in my AirPods, and I started listening to, and I was just feeling all of the feelings where I was just in it. I was ex- experiencing this high, like, I God, I don't know what this all means. And just really have taken, I took some time in the mornings during that work trip too and like listened to some f- a few podcasts on the Enneagram, like Typology in Morgan Cron. It's amazing if you guys haven't checked it out. Um, and some other ones. And I was also kind of, you know, doing some professional things. Anyway, so I had all of this stuff swimming around in my brain. And I was listening, I was putting my AirPods and I listened to Sleeping at Last's um, Enneagram album. And it's called Atlas. And the first song that came on was on nines. And my mom is a nine, our mom, Michelle, and my mom, my mom is a nine. And I can't even remember what the lyrics are, but one of it, one of the lyrics was something like it basically like if I am going to live more of my life and be asleep to myself it was that sort of I the idea of a nine being sort of asleep to what their own desires and their own wants are and I immediately just like broke down in tears like ugly cried on the plane where people were like is she okay like (laughs) is she gonna be fine like snot like the whole thing was just coming out and as I listened to the whole album and it didn't stop. Like I just kept feeling all of these feelings and maybe it was because it was, you know, looking at all the lights and I'm on an airplane by myself and the music is as loud as I want it to be and all of those things. But for me, it was a, it was a deeply emotional experience, especially checking out that album. I'd highly recommend it to anyone. If you want to understand another number, I was just like, Oh, these people like my dad and you know, my sister and, all of these friends in my life were coming up to my my mind as I was listening to these songs and there was just language and understanding that had not been there before mm-hmm. and and maybe had been there but had not been as explored sort of on an emotional um, even more cerebral level um, so that is kind of a picture to me of what the Enneagram means to me it's like it has immensely helped me in my work relationships as I've thought about like you know, wings and as a four, like I'll get into all three mode really quickly whenever I get to work. And, um, you know, all of those kind of things apply, which we've sort of talked about. Um, but I think that that's probably my, my hallmark sort of thought about the Enneagram is it's really given me, um, a greater depth and language to sort of not put people in boxes. I don't like that. And Mm -hmm. I think, um, as I'm going to talk, um, at this gathering coming up for the Bravery Board, I'm going to talk about subtypes and I'm going to talk about wings and how there's actually 54 types on the Enneagram, not nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, in those 54, there, there's not a box That's there. Yeah. But it does give some voice to motivations and some things that, like, just that moment where I'm just, like, empathizing with a nine, like, empathizing out um, with my mom. And I understood some things about her from reading the descriptions, even in The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron, and just really, even if you Google search Enneagram 9, my mom's picture pops up, guys. Um, <laughs> so it was like a aha moment where I realized some things about her that were just making me scratch my head for years. 
so yeah ditto like I think there that is something that's very important and I'm glad that you said that is that it does give you a lens with which to understand people in a deeper kind of a more like I don't know careful way yeah and it wasn't like I was crying because I was like oh you know there's she's missing out I guess it was more like a I get it like I get something now that I never was able to understand before. That's what it does for me. So it's not like a missing out or you poor sucker, you're a two mm-hmm. or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a it's a the human experience is so deep and there's so many things that I t- I thought that other people did all the live long day that are kind of more unique to me. But also, just like that's true for me, it's true for you, Kate, and it's true for, you know, whoever it is that's listening. And I think that's just the power of the Enneagram is understanding that. Yeah, totally. So that's awesome. So I have a question about your parents. Did they take the tool? Did they like complete the tool no. or did you read the descriptions and figure out we had like numbers? long text message and phone conversations about what our parents were so then we both after we both read the numbers I I think it was the text message to you and I may be wrong correct me if I'm wrong Jen but I said mom is not we thought for the longest time mom was a two mm-hmm. and then I said mom is not a two she's a nine read nine and I was like <laughs> texting all these things to Jen and she was like okay hold on like let mm-hmm. me digest this for a minute and then later she was like, yeah, I read that. And she is totally a nine. Yeah. And it was just some of the things that I think both of the things that, you know, if you have siblings, you have a very short hand, you have shorthand like that you can get in with your siblings about, oh, mom's being mm-hmm. mom again, or dad's being dad or whatever those things are that you grew up with that you understand so deeply about your parents and the way that they parent or the way that they interact with the world that is both admirable and also infuriating. And I felt like, feel like, it was just those things just kind of popped out in a way that I like, I know exactly what you're saying, Jen. It was like it, I read it and I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> finally, like some, I, I had no idea. Like this, yeah. all these things that make so much sense now. And um, yeah, so they didn't take the test, but yeah. there was one. They don't have to. <laughs> well, there was one, one evening when my dad came over um, and there is, there was something going on with, my mom's health she's fine now but something going on with my mom's health and so my dad was being very vulnerable in that moment and he came over and he had been like watching my kids and I came home and he was like well you know your mom is you know and starts talking about something and and I was like you know I, I just brought it up the Enneagram and then he was really curious about it and he so I read to him his explanation like the brief version and I read to him I read to him at eight which is what we thought that he was and I said this is what we think you are and I explained it to him and then I read the same thing to about my mom to him and he was just like just kept asking questions and he was going "Uh uh-huh oh yeah to a lot of them you know and um so I think you know there's a little bit of there was a little bit of understanding that he thought that our assessments were accurate but they didn't take it no Mm-hmm. And just for like a note too, I am terrible about typing people. Like, oh really? Oh, I'm so bad at it. Like, like I am. Like you don't get it right, or you keep doing it. Uh no, <laughs> I don't. I don't get it right, so I've just learned not to even uh, try. Yeah. Like it's so interesting because I'm a empathetic person. I'm mm-hmm. a four. Like I and I just don't. I think I see so many sides of of somebody typically, or something, and I just don't. I can't peg it. 
And I actually like that because it is easy to sort of go, they're a nine, they're an eight. And so I don't want to be a proponent of that with topic, talking about my parents, like, you know, flippantly, like, well, I know they're an eight and I know they're a nine. I do know that they're an eight and a nine. <laughs> um, but I don't walk around my office going, oh, they're absolutely a seven or they're absolutely a Well, it can become almost pejorative in my mind, yeah. really, because you really are usually typing on something that's funny or negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, because you're doing that, I know you're whatever. And it's like that. Yeah. You're not, like, raising them up in that. I also, I don't, also don't have the greatest, like, memory in general. Um, And so, like, friends like uh, Katie Day, who's also going to be on the podcast speaking about the Enneagram, she's actually decent, like, very good about typing people. Like, she would type the friends, you know, um, cast from the TV show and probably nail all of them. Actually, I think she did on their podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, Shaylee and Katie. But uh, when they talked about the Enneagram, anyway, I digress. But... Uh, I, yeah, I'm just not, that's just not my, my strength Mm -hmm. with the Enneagram. But then once I know if somebody says like, and I think that's important too, like they need to own their own number. And actually if you say, no, 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 Kate, I think you're a two Mm -hmm. or no, 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 Michelle, I think you're a three. You could actually like do some damage, do some damage. Yeah. And have somebody like, uh, stop there and maybe just take your word for it and look up a three and go, oh, okay, so that must be me when really it's a self-discovery you know, tool. Mm-hmm. So that is, I think, a hundred percent what we've been trying to uh, get across with this podcast is that this is a self-discovery tool. Mm-hmm. Like, and if you treat it as anything else, it's going to be. It could be damaging. I guess yeah. not going to be, but it could we, be. We are we ourselves are the ones who are able to use it in wisdom. The tool itself is not wise. Yeah, so, that's good. Yeah, and so I think like it is just a thing. Yeah. And, and so we'll use it how we will. You but know, it does my... it. It is a thing that makes me cry on airplanes. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you know the, the reason I think it's a thing is, is and I, I've kind of thought about this sort of in my, my own way. I don't know if I've ever said it out loud, so this may not be as eloquent as it is in my brain. Mm-hmm. But the reason I think it's a, it's a thing is, is because we have deep down in us like these different um, lingering motivations or things that we're afraid of Mm -hmm. and I think that if you go to counseling I mean core fears is something that comes up a lot I mean in my my own personal counseling and my husband's counseling and different things a lot of the things that we talk about is what's your core fear what is something that is attacks you what's something that you butt up against consistently that makes you afraid and I think that's what the Enneagram really attacks in a way that is helpful is is that what are the things like what's your motivation for kind of interacting in the world in this way, what are you afraid of? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the reason why I think it's so it's so different than a lot of the others is because there are there are only going to be so many things, like spiders are not going to be a thing that, that, that is going to be on the Enneagram <laughs> as a fear, but it could be like abandonment or it could yes. be um, envy or it could be sloth or it could be these things that, you know, people are afraid of or people or people struggle with and I think that that's why it just kind of yeah really and get somewhere that other personality tests don't I think you know I have a story about how how great it can be as a growth opportunity because even before I knew the number that that fit best with me I realized that I did not like to feel like I didn't know the answer to something. Mm. And that's, depending on what you read, that's like the core fear of the Mm. five, either like needing other people 
or um, not being competent with mm-hmm. something. And so that's why we do these deep dives to like learn as much as we can because when somebody ha- comes to us with that question, we got to have the answer because that's like our self-worth. And I was realizing that that was causing me so much stress in my life that like I wasn't sleeping. I was like like just needing to know answers to things. And so I had to let it go. And mm-hmm. so I started to let it go. And then when I came across the Enneagram and that kind of confirmed like, being able to say I don't know is so freeing and I love saying it now it's like my favorite thing to say and it's really mm-hmm. it rocked my my relationship with my husband because I was the one with the answers he was the one with the questions and I because he was always like I need reassurance I need to know that somebody has the answers that I don't have and so I would always is feel this six? pressure I think he might be <laughs> he's either that or a zero or a ten <laughs> zero or a ten <laughs> um that's but, awesome yeah, there's a lot of seven in there too, but but that is definitely one of the things that like when he needs to have an answer, he needs to have to know that somebody feels confident about something because he does not. And so when he does not, he often does, but anything like that. And so when he would come to me and I would just throw out an answer because I would feel this pressure to be that for him. And it really started to cause problems for me of just like, how can I be expect? I don't have all the answers either. Why do I have to be the one? And so when I let go of that and I started saying, I don't know to him, it finally came to a point where he was like, you're the one who's supposed to know. <laughs> I was like, I am so sorry. I know that I tricked you all these <laughs> by pretending like I had the answers or pretending like I was so confident that everything was going to be okay when I didn't know that for sure. But we're back in a good place of balance now. But, um, but I think that was like one of the biggest things for me. I'm still a five. And perhaps like that, that core fear of not being competent is still like present in my life. But I really feel like I've grown past it. <laughs> It to the point where, like, I'm just like, I don't know. I mm-hmm. guess I'll find the answer maybe. Or maybe I won't. Mm-hmm. That's okay, too. Mm-hmm. And just, like, kind of, like, owning that that growth as mm-hmm. well. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that is is using the Enneagram as a tool in the best sense of, like, mm-hmm. find, like what is your fear? Like, not that you have to overcome your fear, but, like, acknowledging it and, like, not letting it have power over you mm-hmm. as much as it did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've heard in one podcast that, um, and I think it was on the liturgist when they talked about the subtypes and the, the woman that he was interviewing, and I cannot remember her name for the life of me, but she, um, she said something about, to the effect of, if you're not willing to dive into someone's experience in their number, then you have no place talking to them about what their number is. Mm. And meaning in the sense that if you're not willing, if you're willing, if you're just going to reduce it down to a meme or to a, you know, a a number and then leave it at that and not actually talk about how that has affected their experience, then you should not be like trying to type them Mm -hmm. or trying to talk to them about that. And so that's what I really like about us approaching this topic and the way that we've um, tried to handle it is just with respect Mm -hmm. to the fact that we're all individuals and that it's not. Um, it's not about reducing it down to a, a number or a mean. There's so much mm-hmm. more to it. All right. Well, this has been great, guys. I'm glad that we're, you know, diving into this. We've still got two more episodes yes. to yeah. go. The fabulous Katie Day is going to be unpacking uh, some of this and uh, myself, Jen, as well. And really excited for Katie's thoughts on this. And I'll say, too, you know, Katie and I both, as we kind of go, get into a couple more podcasts on this, and Kate and Michelle as well, n- none of us are anything but enthusiasts, and we're just searching just like you guys are, um, but we're really excited to talk about the topic. Yeah. So. 
So we'll be doing that um, live at a Bravery Board gathering February 8th. Is that what I said? I think so. Yeah, February 8th. And yep. tickets are on sale now. Yep, on the Bravery Board website, which is www.braveryboard.com. And that event will go from 10 to noon. Um, and yeah, we're just excited about being able to talk about this and hope you guys are able to make it to that. And yep. yeah, links are in our show notes as always. And I officially apologize for the table banging. No, I think on our last <laughs> podcast episode, my, my dog started barking at one point. I could hear my son Rue in the other room going, Maya! Because we had tried to put him to bed. And then also at some point I heard Jeff banging around in the bathroom because he was fixing our sink. So if you hear any of that, I apologize. You've got up close and personal with Michelle's life. <laughs> yeah, to hear my house. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys. Michelle here. If you liked what was talked about on this podcast, let us know. We want to hear from you and get your feedback. Also, we kind of want to know who you are. We know we have listeners from all over the world, so please reach out. You can find us by searching The Bravery Board on Facebook or Instagram, or by going to our website, thebraveryboard.com. Also, please give us a rating in iTunes. Yeah, we know it kind of takes a few minutes, but it helps us spread the word. And we're kind of all about this message of thriving. As always, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for being you. You guys are awesome.